0: Well, I want to make you aware of something this evening as we start out. We have this uh, clipboard that's going to be going around. Feel free to get cozy, too, with each other. Um, But we have this clipboard that's going to be going around. Just to explain what this is real fast to you guys before we get going tonight. This is just a clipboard that shows your intent to go to Africa. If it's something that you're thinking about, wanting to do, hoping to do, not sure if you can do but would like to do, What I want you to do is just put your name on here, your email address, and then if there's any kind of restrictions for you to go, if it's something financial, if it's something health-wise, if it's something with your family, if you wouldn't mind just jotting that down for us, that way we know how best to come around you guys and support you, okay? So this will be going around. If you're not interested in going to South Africa, that's totally okay, Um, but you can just pass it along to the next person. Chatty Kathy's tonight. Did anybody just hear what I said? Praise the Lord. <laughs> 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 Hallelujah. Honestly, though, let me get your attention. I know you guys are excited to be here. We're excited here, uh, too, you that you're here. But um, this is important stuff. So if you miss what I just said, there's a clipboard going around to show your intent. If you would like to go to South Africa, okay, ask your partner, hopefully the person sitting next to you is listening, and they can tell you more about it um we have though let me see here one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people already signed up for this trip, which is amazing right we just we just officially launched this last night, and as you can see, we've got these super rad flags now of South Africa. Here's the thing. If you sign up to come to South Africa, everybody or every household, I should say, is going to get a flag. This is a flag of the country of South Africa. Really cool. And the idea of this, guys, is that you would put this on a wall or somewhere in your house. Maybe you could even fold it and put it in a cabinet or something where you can actually see it. But to allow, (laughs) you can use it as a blanket too. Um, But to allow this to act as a reminder to pray to pray for the the nation that we're going to, to pray for Jared and his ministry there, to pray for God to prepare your heart for your trip there. And so I want to give out a few of these tonight because, uh, like I said, we already do have some people who have signed up. So Brian and Crystal, can I have one of you come forward? So we've got Brian and Crystal. Lisa for the Haynes family, could you come grab yours? Jen Cutlip is signed up. Why don't you come ahead and grab one? There you go. Let's see. Uh Kim, are you here? I didn't see Kim Kim Riley. you here yet? Not yet. Okay. Where that thing as a cape. Had a boy. Um and then Lindsay. Lindsay. And then we actually we actually do have one more who's not here because she's in Australia. Um, but if you remember Scout Camp, she's really our first international missionary to go. She's still abroad and she already signed up for South Africa, which is so rad. So um, you guys can sign up tonight. There will be computers designated for that. Again, if you, you're not signing your life away, if you check that you want to put down on the clipboard that you're, you're interested. Okay, that's just showing your interest, basically. But hey, as we get going here tonight, I, there's one passage of scripture that I wanted to, to read really fast. It's Matthew 26. It's verses 26 uh, through 28. And it says this, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I started thinking about, okay, this week is Thanksgiving. I should probably say something about being thankful. And immediately the scripture came to mind because I think we can really quickly read over what this says. Because we get fixated on what's going on here, the elements, right? The, the body and the blood of Christ. And rightfully so because that's what this passage is about. But we also sometimes skip over the fact that says Jesus gave thanks. And the thing that's so profound about that to me is here he is about to die on the cross and the posture of his heart is one of thanksgiving to the Lord. That's customary, right? We take our food, we give thanks for it to the Lord. But I just, I'm struck with that idea of here he is, and he and he's holding in his hands the symbols of what he's about to do. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood which is poured out for you, for the forgiveness of sins. He's holding in his hands what he's about to do, basically. And as he holds these elements in his hands, as he thinks about them, and as he ponders what it's really going to be like, the pain that he's going to endure, in the midst of that, he gives thanks. And I think that's so profoundly beautiful that that's the heart of Christ. And so let's go ahead and go to prayer. I'm just gonna leave a moment of silence, though, for us to allow our spirit to respond with thanksgiving to the Lord. And then I'll close us out. Jesus, this week is so good for us to be be reminded of what we do have to be thankful for. And above all else, above all else, it's you. Above all else, it's your sacrifice. Above all else, it's the forgiveness that we receive because of that. Above all else, it's the Father's grace. And so this week especially, Lord, would you allow us just to, to be able to respond and reflect on that, to really, uh, for our soul to capture the fact that it's saved. To really come to grips with that. To to realize the gravity of what you've done. Lord, would, would you just allow that to sink a little bit deeper into our spirit? The understanding of that. And I believe that consequently, Lord, that that is going to motivate us then to do the very thing that we're studying here. To evangelize because we cannot hold on to this gift we've got to tell people about it and so spirit of god teach us tonight jesus we want to do this with you be our teacher lead us direct us instruct us we pray these things in your name amen
1: all right good to see you how's everybody it's like thanksgiving got here early for some they decided to go ahead and start cooking turkeys on monday night um, so we'll just pray that uh, their turkey tastes poorly because they missed this class. Is that fair? Yeah. No, but it's, it's fun. Um, anyway, uh, you should have a sheet now that says five words for evangelism. How many of you have that? Do you have it? Okay, say I have it. That's good. All right. What I want you to do is understand that when you present the gospel, it's more than just one-dimensional. There's multi-dimensions that go to the gospel, and and so I'm going to give you a little Greek lesson. How's that sound? Yeah, everybody want to learn Greek? Okay, good. Um, So when you look at the Word of God, sometimes, remember, we're translating the Bible from Greek language into English language. And sometimes words are transliterated. Anybody know what that means, transliterated? That means you take a foreign word, you turn it into an English word. Like the word evangelism is the Greek word euangelion. Does that kind of sound like evangelism a little bit? Euangelion? It doesn't to you? How about apost- uh, apostolos? Does that sound like something? What's it sound like? Apostle. Okay, so what happens sometimes when they translate, they don't ne- necessarily give you the meaning. They try to make it into a word that everybody. they assume everybody already understands. So like an apostle is one sent with a message. OK, so the reason I want to give you that little overview so that you understand when you read the word of God, there is some different dimensions that go into it. Now, how many of you know what Blue Letter Bible is dot org? Blue Letter dot org. OK, those of you who don't write that down, Blue Letter Bible dot org. OK, it's a online tool, absolutely free. And it'll help you to study the Word of God. You can um, look it up. uh, You can take a passage, type it in. And then what you can do in there is you can say, for example, I want to look up Matthew 28. And over on the left-hand column, there's different little options. You can hit one little button, and it gives you Greek words. And then you can look at the – you say, well, I don't speak Greek. You don't have to. You click on that little word, and it shows you what that word means, how that word is used, and where that word is used in Scripture. So it's really a powerful tool that you can really kind of help your Bible study. Let me give you an example, okay? Um, so at the end of the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus is talking there uh, to Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. Then he asks him a second time, Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know that I love you. I mean, are you getting a little frustrated now if you're Peter? I just told you two times I love you. He asks him a third time. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. He said, then feed my sheep. Okay, now, it doesn't really, it's kind of a little strange. You think, why the repetition there? Okay, here's what he says. Peter, do you phileo me? Do you brotherly, or he says, Peter, first time, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me with agape kind of love? He says, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I love you with brotherly love. Second time, he says, Peter, do you agape me? He says, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Third time he says, Peter, do you phileo me? Lord, you know that I phileo you. Peter couldn't understand that agape love at that point in his life. Jesus, what does he do? He accommodates himself to where Peter is. Now, you miss that in the English, don't you? But see how that becomes powerful? So when we look at these words, and, and what I want to, want to do is I, I want to give you the sense of this, And if you want to study it further, you can do that. Sometimes it's translated just simply gospel. All these words can be translated, uh, or most of these words can be translated gospel, but it doesn't always mean specifically gospel. So let's look at this first word, and it's the word euangelion. You see I've got the Greek word there on your left. Then we take and make an English word out of it, and then we translate what that means, the gospel. What is the gospel? Somebody just shout it out. Okay, good. Word of God, what else? It's good news, right? It's good tidings. Good news. Gospel is good news. Is the gospel always good news? Not if you don't hear it. Right? If your friend never hears the gospel, then it's not good news to him because he's never heard it. You see how important it is that we are, we are positioned by God to give people the good news. The good news is that Jesus died. Just write down next to that 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. What is the gospel? Here's the gospel. He said, uh, Paul said, I delivered unto you what was of first importance. Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose from the dead. You know what the gospel is? Jesus died, buried, rose from the dead, according to the scriptures, to give us life. There's a gospel, right? Okay, so let's look at uh, where this word is specifically used. I highlight in each of these passages in bold um, font uh, where that word particularly is. So if, I, if you look at uh, Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, the first one there, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Okay? So that's our first use, right? The gospel, what is it? Believe in the good news. What do I have to do? I have to understand the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. So my response is to do two things. What are they? What does it say in the text? Repent. What does that mean? What does repent mean? I gotta I gotta turn away. I'm heading down this way away from God. I've got to turn away and head in the direction of God. Repent and do what? And believe. I have to believe in what? The gospel, the good news. Okay, second word, Matthew chapter four and verse twenty-three. Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching. Now this particular word here, Caruso, means to proclaim. Okay? It's a herald. And what they would do sometimes is somebody would show up in town and go, hear ye, hear ye, kind of like medieval times, right? Hear ye, hear ye, i got an announcement for you. Listen to what I've got to say. I've got to tell you what's going on. i got to tell you Jesus died and rose from the dead. Have you, have you heard that news yet? Okay? So that's the second way it's used. He went about and he was teaching and preaching uh, in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. Now, notice what's connected with this proclamation in this passage. What is it? All you got to do is look at it. What does it say? What's connected with the with this particular moment? Healing, right? Hey, so what happened was the gospel took on power because why? Because they were actually doing something that people were seeing the power of God transform their life, and it made a difference. So one of the things we want to say, and if, you, if you've if you been in more than just this class, and you know, for example, the first one we did – hey, guys, how you doing? The first one we did was on uh, prayer and healing. And the idea is that, you know, offer to pray with someone. I just – you know, just the other day I was with a guy, and and he's telling me all the stuff, and I said, how does it? How do you respond when I say to you, be healed in Jesus' name? It was so radical for him that he blew it off the first time. And so I went back again. I said, well, let me ask you this. How does it feel when I say to you, be healed in Jesus' name? He blew it off a second time. And I realized for some reason he wasn't hearing me because I think he didn't want to to change what was going on in his life at that particular moment, okay? So I had to take another route. But it was, it was almost like it was deafening. Sometimes when you're talking to somebody, you can pray and say, you know, they're telling you what's going on in their life. Is it well, could I just pray that God heals you right now? And you pray for them, and all of a sudden you say, Now, how does, do you feel like God spoke to you? Do you feel like God's healing? Do you feel like something's going on in your life right now? And, and they might say, No, not at all. Or they might say, Well, yeah, I do feel different. I said, Well, you know, that's part of the power of the gospel. Can I tell you what Jesus did? He died, was, you know, was crucified, was buried, and rose from the dead. I'm giving them the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? All right, Devin, you, you focused here? Or you dexton? Okay, that's what I want to hear. Okay, let's go to the third word. This word is where we get our word didactic. Have you ever heard the word didactic? It means to teach, it means to teach, all right? So sometimes what you have to do is you have to teach the gospel, all right? Look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching, teaching in their synagogue. You see, sometimes you have to clarify what's going on. They don't know. You're telling him, hey, you've got to believe in the gospel. They don't know what the gospel is. You've got to stop long enough and go, wait a minute, let me explain. Let me clarify what this means. Have you ever thrown this term out to people? Well, you know, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. And they go, what does that mean? What does that mean? For us, it it, it might mean something. It might mean something more than to some others. But if if, if we think about the idea that, the Scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So somebody has to die in God's economy. You or God. That's what it comes down to. God came in human flesh because God, without human flesh, couldn't die So he had to die in your place as your substitute. And when he died in your place, you didn't have to die for your sin. He did it already. And if you don't help people understand that, then they don't get some of the terminology we're, we're throwing around as Christians. We can illustrate it like this. Let's suppose that you did something wrong, but I went to jail for you would you appreciate me absolutely you so say, why did you do that because i love you i took your place i was your substitute you see and so what we want to do is we want to understand this principle this principle of of i you know jesus died in my place he died in your place you don't have to die So sometimes we have to clarify, and it says here he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom, he was healing, here it is again, every sickness and every disease among the people. Here's attached again that power dimension of evangelism, right? It's more than just that, hey, can I tell you good news, God loves you. It's more than that. Let's go to the third word, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. Now here's the word, when we think about a witness, I want to go witness. It's actually the Greek word martus. It means to be a martyr. It means that your proclamation cost you something in this particular case we could say it could cost them their very life it could cost them their very reputation it could it could be the spilling of blood on their own you know because they have proclaimed Jesus Christ see sometimes we are so comfort driven in our in our christianity that what we want to do is we don't want to upset anybody we want everybody to like us okay and part of the thing that happens when you proclaim the gospel is people don't like the message they don't like the message necessarily and so we have to realize that it's part of the territory we go with we are in we're in a part of a family and part of a tribe if you will that is proclaiming something that is not popular in the world okay but once they get it you become instantly their best friend cuz now they're indoctrinated into the kingdom of god as well right okay, let's look at this uh, last word. last word is to disciple okay It's where we get our word Matthew actually the word Matthew means a follower or a learner. so Matthew chapter twenty eight verses nineteen verse nineteen go therefore and make disciples of all nations. In other words, getting people to know Jesus isn't enough. We have to teach them to ob- to observe what we've taught them we have to they they have to come to a place where they following after after Jesus Christ. Are you a true follower? See, easy it's easier to sometimes get someone to say they believe than it is to get them to follow and then reproduce their life in the life of another person. And that's why we said, what if you, well, let's just go back, what if you could lead, Your 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 desire was to lead one person to Christ per year. That's all, just one per year. You had a whole year to cultivate it. And let's suppose that the next year you decided, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take that one person and spend that year discipling them so that they can then lead one person to Christ. So you wait till the second year now, and then now you both go out and try to lead somebody to Christ, and you do the same model. And that sounds pretty laborious, doesn't it? Two years, one person. Jesus took 12 guys three years. And some of those guys didn't get it. You see, this follower thing is, is the real deal. When, when a, rabbi, a rabbi would teach someone and he would teach a, another person to follow after him, um, the demonstration that he was really following, for example, when he taught, he would teach the same thing that rabbi taught with the same inflection in his voice. So there's stories where the rabbi would have his followers follow him and they would go maybe on a 15-mile walk to another city to teach only to get there, and the rabbi said, you didn't follow me. Some of you were wandering over here, and some of you are wandering over here, so we're going to go back, we're going to do it again. You're going to walk in my steps. You're going to be a follower of me. You see, so when Jesus says, become this disciple of me, a follower or learner, he really meant it. He really meant it. He didn't mean, it, mean you play around with it. You know, and, and Christianity is is the most fulfilling, exciting thing in the world, and it's the hardest thing in the world at the same time, isn't it? I mean, let's let's just be honest. If you're really going to follow Jesus, you've got to die to self because self wants to do other stuff. It always does. There's always something to do. There's always another way to spend my time. There's always an easy route if I want to take an easy route. I have to decide, do I really want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And it really is a call, it's a call. It, it's like uh, when you know Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the, the guy from Germany who stood for Christ in that Nazi regime, he said, when Jesus bids a man to come, he bids him to come and die. That's the cost of discipleship. That's the price. You know, it was said that the, it was the blood of the martyrs that became the seed of the church. What was it? Our, we are built. See, everybody here is, is here because somebody paid a price. Somebody sacrificed, somebody died, somebody proclaimed, somebody lived out their faith so that they could tell somebody about Jesus, so they could tell somebody about Jesus so they could tell somebody about Jesus, so you and I could be here. Think about it like this. Every one of us in this room is a direct spiritual descendant of either Jesus or one of the disciples, and hopefully not Judas. Right? Because Jesus taught those guys. Those guys went out and taught somebody. They taught somebody. They taught somebody. That taught, taught somebody. And everybody here is a direct spiritual descendant of one of those guys. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Now, now, just think about this. Think about the legacy that you can leave by being a proclaimer and a, and a, and a liver out of that, that kind of liver out. That sounds like a body part. but but you're going to live out you know the gospel of Jesus Christ and people are going to see it and they're going to go wow I spent some time uh, 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 with a family and and they all ended up um, proclaiming their faith through baptism and the one guy's disciple he owned a he owned a restaurant at the at the time and and uh he was just really committed, and I discipled him and and went through this thing and he uh, I, I I didn't know where he was going to go, how far he was going to get with this whole thing and as the time went on, just to kind of give you the short story of what happened to him, you know he's now a pastor of a church that time invested paid off see i didn't I didn't just reproduce, I multiplied myself. Because how many people has he led to Christ? How many sermons has he preached? How many, how many seeds has he sown? Because I sowed into him, and just like you can sow into somebody else, and they can multiply your life. You know, I think part of what the eternal reward of heaven is, is that multiplying effect. I think it's you spend time uh, proclaiming, you spend time discipling, you spend time training people, and part of that well-done, good, and faithful servant is you didn't take the seed and bury it in the ground. You took and you multiplied the money over and over and over, the seed over and over again. You multiplied everything you did, and he says, let me tell you, you probably don't know this, but I want you to know that probably because of what you've done, you know, a quarter of a million people, five million people, 20 million people have come to faith in Christ. Because the multiple, and you didn't know. You only remember leading one person to Christ. Mordecai Ham came home one day from a crusade, and he they, they was talking to the other pastors. He said, how'd the crusade go? He said, not very well. Just one boy saved. One sandy-headed boy saved. What was his name? I think his name was William, William Graham. You see, we get so fixated sometimes with with, you know, what we value success that we don't know how God values success. And I think that as you start studying the gospel and you start studying the word of God, we want you to be well informed, but we want you to be passionate about what you do. We want you to really, really just proclaim Jesus even when you don't feel like it. Well, do you think God can use it when I don't feel like it or I'm in a bad mood? Absolutely. It's not about you. People don't get healed because you have some mystical power they get healed because of Jesus. People get saved because of Jesus. You know, it's just let Jesus go in the lives of people. The video we're going to watch tonight I really really like. It's uh it's really the favorite one I've watched in in the series of that we've had in Bonky and I've watched more than you've seen because there's about I don't know maybe 15 episodes in there all total. But this one I think is really, really good. I especially want you to focus in um, on when you, as it gets toward the end, he starts talking about the gospel and how the gospel becomes what you make it to be. Uh, When you begin to proclaim Jesus as a healer, it's amazing how Jesus shows up and heals. And when you keep quiet about it, it's amazing how Jesus doesn't. It's just really, really good, really, really powerful. So uh, we're going to go ahead and, and watch this video.
2: We're going to take a few minutes we're going to actually share our testimony and a couple of things hit me last week I was talking to Phil about this I I've had a few of you say I don't know how to share my testimony and and I don't know if you know what a testimony is because the word testimony just means to testify so if I'm actually any of you've done jury duty if you've ever been on a court right and you've kind of shared and you're testifying something you've seen it's a testify. It's a witness of something that's happened. So, I want to give you three points. We're going to go over our testimonies tonight. The first thing is you have to have a testimony. Write these three down. And we're going to walk through it. You have to have a testimony. When someone says to me, Hey, I grew up in the church, I grew up a Christian, I had a great role model in my life, that doesn't make them a Christian, okay? And so that's number one clue to me to ask and probe a little deeper, to make sure they really know what it means to have a personal relationship. So number one, we'll walk through these. You have to have a testimony. Number two, you have to ask them their story. So you, first of all, have to have a testimony. We're going to find out tonight if you have one. Number two, you're going to ask them their story. And number three, you're going to tell them how to know Jesus. So a lot of times when you're sharing your faith, um, I was just sharing with someone this week, and it's the same story many people say to me, I grew up in the church. Therefore, they think they're a believer. I grew up in America. Of course, I'm a Christian. And so what I want us to do is, first thing, we're going to stop right now, and I want you to share your testimony. Now, listen, a testimony is a couple things. Let's make sure we kind of get this clear. I might testify something God did for me this week, like today when I was in my quiet time with God and he gave me a huge, great, incredible revelation. I can give you a testimony of that. I can testify what he did for me today. I can testify that we connected, that he spoke to me. He came in with some conviction in my heart. He turned the light on and he showed me some stuff in my life I'm dealing with. We had course correction. I repented and then I was broken hearted And and I have to kind of give a shout out here because Sherry Ellis has ruined me because she gave me a book yesterday, um, Prayer That Availeth Much, which I want to talk to you guys about for our prayer team. And I was so enthralled this morning with that book that it just ripped my heart out. I was so in tune with God, like feels like, babe, we have staff meeting, you know, you've got to get dressed here. I, I didn't want to leave. You know how you have those moments with God, they're so intimate and they're so real. So I can testify right now what I had with him. But that's not my salvation testimony. You have to start with a salvation testimony. You have to know that there was a point in your life that you recognized you were a sinner. You know in your life that there was a time that you were separated from God. And you, by your own choice, your own volition, your own confession, your own admission, agreed with God that you sinned. And the Bible says that I confess with my mouth. There was a time in your life, and that's why I want to make sure I'm I'm making this clear, really clear, because your partner will have a sense in their spirit whether you really have a testimony. Okay, so you're going to testify tonight of your salvation experience, that there was a time in your life where you know you were in darkness. Now, for some of you, you might be like I, where I grew up in a wonderful Christian home at a young age. Grew up in Sunday school, and how how bad can a seven-year-old be? Now, I knew I stole money from my mom's purse. I did do that as a little girl, and, and that was wrong. I had to do and understand certain things. When I was 16, I came to a real understanding of my salvation experience. I believe I was saved at seven, as much as a child could confess. If you ask me my testimony, it is this, that at the age of seven, I understood because I was taught in Sunday school that I was a sinner. I was saved by grace. I went through the, through the confession. I went forward in my little Baptist church. I was baptized. But I had an awakening in my spirit at 16. I came to a maturity of what that meant for me. And I began to walk in the fullness of my testimony. So if you're like me and you can't pinpoint, I can't tell you whether I fully understood at the age of seven what it meant to be born again. But at sixteen, I understood that. I know that I I know that I know that I know in my knower. That I have sinned and I have confessed my sin and I have a salvation testimony. Does that make sense? We can't make we can't witness and we can't make disciples if all we're doing is testifying that God is good. That I go to a great church, come and see the miracles of our church. That's not your salvation testimony. Does that make sense? And I, wonder, I want to dig deep here tonight because I don't want us to leave this six-week session and you not make sure that you have a testimony with Jesus. And I would rather tonight a handful of people say, I've never been able to articulate my testimony, and I'm not sure that I really know that I have one. Does that make sense? What a victory it would be in heaven tonight. If somebody came and they said, just like Phil shared several weeks ago, one of the deacons in our church said, I have been the good boy my whole life. And now at the age of 50 plus, I understand I've never been born again. I've been good. Does that make sense? So when someone tells me their testimony is, I've watched someone's life, this is a good church, I'm a good person. I feel God's presence here. My, my my just antenna goes off, and I want to drill deeper and go, tell me when you know that you understood that you were separated from God, that your sins separated you, and you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and you asked him to come into your heart. And here's the thing. You can have besetting sins, and we talked about this, But if you don't have the power of the resurrection in your life, I'm going to be honest, you need to go back and make sure you have a salvation experience. Does that make sense? The Bible tells us in Philippians that I might know him in the power of the resurrection, that I might be conformed into the image of his son. If I don't have resurrection power, I may not have salvation. You you with me? And and, and I, I think we're trying to make disciples, but we got to start by making sure that we really know. So that's why you've got to start right now tonight and solidify your testimony, right, that you can share when you know you came. And maybe you'll be like me. It grew, and I understood. But you know that you know it. Then you turn and you go, have you ever had an experience like that? Have you ever had a story like that? Then you're free to ask someone their story. And if not, then you have the opportunity to witness and share your testimony. Does that make sense? So tonight, I just want to make sure that we turn to someone, and preferably not your spouse, and if you're sitting next to somebody you know really well, move. And I want you to tell them when you know you met the master, when you know you met Jesus, your whole eternity is based on this time when you came into a salvation relationship with Jesus. That makes sense? And we're going to do that, and then we'll switch and share with the other. How about that? Okay? Go. We've got about three minutes, three to four minutes each.
1: Each, 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 each. Okay?
2: Here's your assignment now. Three minutes each. Now you are going to witness to that person. You are going to try to lead them to Christ. See, something, I'm going to have Tara come up in a minute and share something. Here's what I looked at her, and she's going to just share an incredible story with you. I looked at her eyes and I said, do you know that you know that you know that you know him? So that the enemy can't come and say you don't. You're that sure. See, the enemy can't get me there anymore. He gets me other ways, but I know I'm saved. Yeah. See, I, can't, I don't do warfare with him on my salvation. I, I, I did years ago until I really understood what it meant to be saved. Now he has no entrance there at all. That's how sure I am of my salvation. If you're not that sure, we need to make sure you're sure and then help you know how to do warfare against the enemy so he can't try to rob you there put little seeds. or Are you sure you're a Christian? Christians wouldn't think that way, wouldn't act that way, wouldn't behave that way. See your, your salvation, you weren't saved on works. You won't be sustained on works or goodness or law or anything else. But you've got to know based on the word of God, how he tells us to be saved. You can contend with him. He'll stop bothering you once you know that. Now he'll come in other ways and you've got to figure out how to handle that. All right. I want you to know, you know, you know, you know. Do not leave this room. I don't want you to ever stand before God and say, you were at Influence Church and I gave you every opportunity. Everyone loved you there. Everyone wanted you to know there. There's no guilt here. There's all love. This is all love. feeling love. That you know that you know. Does that make sense? And if there's anybody that doesn't, let's just help you make sure you know. Now what I want you to do is to turn to that person. That means it, it, now let's, this is going to be somebody you just ran into and you're waiting in line and you're both crazy out of your mind okay here's a scenario you've got to figure out in about 30 seconds what you have in common with that person to start a conversation to at least what you have to at least do is plant the seed of Christ but what we want you to do is lead them to Christ all right so you're you know you're comfortable tonight with someone so, you know, I want you to start to feel comfortable. It's kind of role playing, right? So, you got about a few seconds to get to know a little bit of their story and say, hey, you know, I so I knew somebody that knew that. And, you know, yeah, I knew them from my church. You know, really? Where do you go to church? Oh, well, influence. Oh, it's an amazing church. Whatever that, that hook is, you're going to bring them in, okay? So, you've got about three minutes and then switch, okay? Lead the person next to you to Christ. Tara, you come up here real quick before we... Hey, a couple things I want to share with you, because I think both these are really good. Um, Tara, come over here. Tara and I were just talking, and and let me just tell you what we just role-played, which is really, really good. If you go into a situation planning to share your faith, God will give you the opportunity. So we just went into Target. So when we were in Target, we were in line. I was frustrated because the line was long and it's Christmas. And how come they can't have more sales clerks? This is ridiculous. It's Christmas. I can't I am so frustrated when I come here at Christmas time. They should be prepared and I'm I'm complaining. And she turns and she begins to say to me, "Well, it is Christmas. You know, it's a time for people to be with their family." Oh, yeah, Christmas. I said, yeah, I'm in debt. It only gets me in debt and I'm divorced and it doesn't make me and I'm going through this whole thing." And I'm just bemoaning okay as she begins to tell me the meaning of christmas and she catches my attention and she goes yeah i've been through a heartache too you know i came from a home that wasn't perfect and she begins to tell me her illness then she begins to tell me about eternal life now something i said to tara is i said no one can refute your testimony or your joy she said to me she talked about the bible and she talked about eternal life i can push those aside as a non-believer, but I can't push aside a young girl who's talking to an adult about the meaning of Christmas and joy and telling me that she just went through a physical adversity. She's been through emotional adversities. Now, all of a sudden, the word of God goes up in my mind, and I'm thinking, maybe I need to read that book. Eternal life that she just told me she has, I'm thinking, she has something I don't have. Did you see? But she came into Target saying, God, use me. So when she stood in line, her ears didn't hear the cranky woman in front of her that was complaining. Her ears heard the opportunity. Does that make sense? And when you walk into a place and you say, God, use me, you are on the hunt. You know, sometimes we go out on the hunt to, to see people healed. You know, we've gone up to Bethel and they'll send us out. And we, we're going to look for someone. So you're watching, you're looking for somebody limping or somebody in a, you, because why? You want to see somebody healed. Well, what if we go into salvation every day with that? What if we say, God, used me today to sow seed and lead someone to Christ? Now you're looking for it. The opportunity will come when you're looking for it. And what I just said to Tara is know how you want the conversation to go before you start it. Now, you may not lead them to Christ, but you know a few elements. You know how you know what to say. So she's going to use her sickness and she's going to use her story. That will probably always be key in her testimony. And really quickly, you know, I just want to want you to tell the story. And she wasn't prepared for this. I love to do this to you guys, right? Right, Devin. Um, but I, I tell them how you felt, you you thought you knew God, and then what you came to a crisis point where you really met Him. Come on,
3: you're good. Okay. Uh, that, um, you, you know, we need to be put
2: on the spot like this. Use one That's of these. Good. Just, just, right up just there, talk. Here, talk mouth. And just talk. <laughs> <laughs> you go, girl. You
3: testify. Um. um so my whole life I've felt kind of lost because when I was really young my parents got divorced and like it's been it was weird because I was always in two homes so it was like I didn't know what was going on and I, I was just always really upset and sad about something and um and and then my whole life, I I wasn't going down the right path just because I was lost and, and I, I just didn't know what to do. So I just, when I was about 12, 11 or 12, I knew that I needed him because I wasn't happy with what was, what was happening in my life. And so I didn't accept him yet because I didn't know how to, but I just kind of said to myself I need to do something about this and I started to change and then Easter 2012 I got baptized in the horse trough and (laughs) that was pretty cool but I didn't really fully understand it because I didn't I hadn't read the Bible I'd never gotten through Genesis but I knew that I these things that I had to do and I started getting sick In freshman year so last year and on November 6th I passed out in the pool during hell week and I was in and out of consciousness and I went to the hospital but when I was in the ambulance I was alone but I was with the paramedics and I was I didn't know what was happening I didn't know what was going to happen but I felt like I needed to pray just because I was scared and so I did but I felt his presence there, and that's when I accepted him into my life, because I knew that there was no other way that I was going to get through life without him, and, I'm sorry, so I knew that there was no other way, and... So I, I didn't know, I still don't know, I'm really lost still, but I know that I have God, and that's, sometimes that's the only, he's the only one I have, so, but I know that that's okay, because he's everything, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. so. And let me tell you what I, what I said to Tara, all this is new, and I don't know how many of you know what she's been battling with, with, um, it, it was a brain tell tell okay so she's had brain surgery in the last year right okay and and here's what is important she knows now that she met jesus but what we have to do from here is what we call discipleship okay so that's why that follows this class in a couple weeks in january when we come back because it's not enough just to know because satan wants to come and rob and steal that seed of salvation now he can't take her salvation but he can confuse her and just like she said so much but i wanted you to know she looked you hear what she said i wanted it but i didn't know how do you know how many people out there don't know how and you don't want them to have to wait till they're in an ambulance wondering if they're dying to call out on their own because we weren't faithful witnesses because we didn't preach just like bonky said we didn't open our mouth and share the gospel and it's really important, most of us, if we can solidify and you know your salvation after the six weeks and you know how to evangelize, then we have to go into discipleship. That's growing in our faith, okay? So you guys, now you know Terry, you know her story, love on her, hug on her, that, it took a lot for her to stand up here, huh? Okay. Okay, we're going to um, do the movie and then Jared's going to break. Okay, we're going to take a break. Um, anyone that has any, anything you need to share. Man, we're going to be buzzing around if you want to share a testimony or you want prayer. That's what this is for. How many of you enjoyed sharing your testimony? How many of you enjoyed trying to lead the other person to Christ? Huh? And if you didn't finish, you can keep going. Let's take about a 10-minute break, and then we'll come back.